Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the New Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray, and we are starting off the beginning of the year with uh, relevant in-person, in-time content for the show. Welcome back, Chris Gorg and Tim Montgomery. I'm Sean Murray. Uh, Today we're going to talk about security orchestration and automation response tool. The amount of data that we're producing now for a a SIM uh, or an IDS or an IPS or something that flows into a SIM is so vast that a human just doesn't have the ability. I don't care how seasoned of an analyst you are, the amount of data that's coming in and being presented to the tools and the the data that's being represented, um, we're just, we're looking at the sophistication of the attacks that are coming through, especially when we're looking at APTs and different lines of code and different coding languages. The technology just doesn't have the ability to have the human read in real time and catch all the threats that are coming through. So is a methodology that can be incorporated into a tool to help automate that process. Tim, I'll pass it over to you. Your thoughts on SOAR. Yeah, SOAR for me, um, I could see this being relevant because of the ingesting of data, a large amount of data coming from information security and, and uh, event manager of the scene, um, and that there's not enough uh, you know, professionals in the field to make this in real time. So the instant response uh, measures, the amount of time you need uh, to, to give a response is, is so lengthy because of the data that's flowing into those seams. I can see where um, this type of what they call SOAR here program uh, would automate um, and kind of take that res- that need from the human response, um, particularly to be able to respond more directly in a much more faster rate. Um, I think I think my concern about this is now starting to evolve to a point where artificial intelligence does take, a smart intelligence approach does take. However, I mean, this starts to venture into taking the human uh, resources out of it and the professionals. I I realize there's a a real gap in today, you know, the amount of people we need as cybersecurity professionals, and this would help uh, in the automated response system or incident response mannerisms. They would act. This would actually help that piece of it. But then we start to get into does the artificial intelligence start uh, getting into making its own judgments without human relevance to it? So, I mean, those those are types of things I think of when we talk about this SOAR concept. So, and interesting, I'll weigh in and say the first time I heard the acronym SOAR was right before the show when Tim said, "Let's talk about SOAR," and I said, "What is that?" So it's obviously something we'll say new and uh, me having not worked in a a mature security organization like the government for a couple of years following the startup trail. 
Um, it's entirely new. So I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate and uh, poke a little bit at this and say, you know, what are we talking about? But um, it sounds like literally 2014, I think I still have a publication out about this um, where I was involved with some of the early major attacks in the government sector. Uh, and they put all kinds of equipment in place to monitor so they wouldn't have the attack again. And then four months later, they had produced more data from their monitoring and event management systems that they installed for security, then they did a whole year of operational data. And they said, okay, well, so now what do we do with all this data? And every company said, we'll have an AI solution to you soon, next year. And I've been hearing that since that time, is that AI is going to come solve the problem. Is that what we're talking about here? This is the approach to that AI solving the problem of, too much data for a human to look at. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good uh, place to start when we come back from this break. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're in another edition of the new Cyber Frontier. We're talking about SOAR, uh, security, orchestration, and response software tools. Um, the amount of data that's being produced now in, in automation are network devices, uh, security devices, um, looking at the SIM, for example, the amount of data that comes in that needs to be fine-tuned. There's a need for automation based on the amount of data that's created, not just by these tools, but think back during two years of a pandemic. One of the things that has been created as a job specifically is data scientists. Based on all of the data that's been developed and crunched and, and collected, uh, for the pandemic specifically. When we apply that to the methodologies to be able to analyze, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, intelligence information, or using vast amounts of data and parse that so it's useful for information for whatever your industry is, information, cybersecurity, we need these types of tools to be able to do it. Source of concept that's been around for a few years now, we're just now starting to talk about it. I teach courses, of course, with Murray Security Services. CISSP is one of those big dog certifications that now includes the concept of SOAR, addresses the issue, and allows the practitioner to understand how it could be applied to their environment. Guess I'm looking for Tim. What, what's, you know, I, I, ask me questions about the uh, the lay legs thoughts around this. I'll, I'll come up with something. Uh, but uh, where are okay, we going? So you said before the break here, right? So is this the beginning of AI taking over? So I, I would have to say, yeah, this is this is a unique situation where 
there's the ingestion of, of millions of alerts coming on. There's not one set of people. You would have to have an orchestrated group of individuals to really analyze that data, um, like you said, with data sciences. And I think where this comes into play, um, it'll help uh, point out patterns, things of that nature that, that a computer could actually provide, artificial intelligence could actually provide to you um, in the way in which um, you know, humans can take a look at it and wouldn't have to analyze amounts of data. It would do it for it, suggesting ideas, things of that nature. So as we lean into this more and more, as long as we're not going past certain limitations, this artificial intelligence concept uh, for SOAR and this methodology, I think would provide, definitely provide something that's needed today. I think that's also, well, the other factors are is like cyber mesh, cyber mesh concepts come into play where you've got solutions that um, need to be working in unison. Um, and this is something where even SOAR could take in all the ingestions of those different types of solutions together to be kind of the platform that projects, you know, where are we headed? What are the patterns? Some of the concepts of what we should do that's prioritizing because of vulnerability assessment, risk assessment type of concepts, you really got to uh, focus on some of the priorities uh, and you got to justify those too. So, I mean, this idea of SOAR really goes a long way to kind of sync us with the already given gap of uh, professionals that are not there. And the ingestion data is, you know, that type of data that's coming in exponentially. Every year just gets bigger and bigger, right? Rose. So definitely a need for this. It's just it would draw concerns uh, at, at those levels saying, where are we going with it? So, I mean, where are we going with it? Is the, the algorithmic approach to analyzing the data, how, how, would they, how, how would that be done? Is there an idea for, because, you know, the last I heard, you know, in, in the fight for this, we were narrowing down, looking at all the data and saying, you know, which million data sets that were made today, can we eliminate that a user doesn't have to look at, so we only leave 100,000, and we still couldn't get a user to look at them all. You know, what algorithms are we going to make that's going to be effective for this purpose? Or do we have that approach that you know how it's being done? Yeah, I mean, that's the crux of the concept behind SOAR. Uh, when I reflect back on how SOAR applies to previous positions as a SOC manager, um, so I've, I've SOC meaning Security Operations Center, government, we call it De Defensive Cyber Operations, the CERT, however you want to figure that out. Um, I've worked in a couple, managed a couple of different ones, and I, I reflect back on one where we, uh, ArcSight was the sim that we were using to ingest lots of information and data. We were getting so many alerts and so many events that there's just no way our analysts could look at all of the things that were coming through, my 24-7 ops folks, my analysts. So we got permission to hire two ArcSight uh, engineers to come in and fine-tune uh, so we were really looking at the things that we needed to. Now we're talking about uh, events that are, are even more comprehensive. And, and you're using an analyst or a set of analysts to really chase down, say, such as malware or a variant of malware to determine what has happened. Uh, how many benign events do you need to look at as a, a human analyst before you get to that piece of malware and how many other pieces of malware or variants got through that you weren't able to look at. So when we look at forensics, reverse engineering of those types of things, SOAR provides the capability or the crux, the, the, the ability with decent store tools to automate that process. 
So we um in in this the software design world, we have this this concept that we try to get shake our developers when they do what we call Easter egging. It's like, let me just go through my yard, through wherever, and and lift up rocks and look for problems. You know, it it sounds, you know, it seems like that this whole analysis center and looking at potential threats and and flags that come in is just Easter egging, which is like the biggest thing we try to get away from in design world. Yeah, and then that, you know, that gives way to patterns, right? So, um, and I also think that it can be a narrow focus when we talk, when we talk about, so like with uh, antivirus libraries, and when you're looking at vulnerability assessment, you're looking for patterns, right? A lot of times the algorithms know what to look for because there's a defined um, print on the data. And so I think we can also be narrow focused and miss, like uh, Sean was alluding to, what are the what are the ones we missed? So I, I think we do have to watch, and at least with this methodology, as we start to expand on its idea, we really need to watch how, uh, you know, there are zero day attacks and then and, uh, where do those come from? Those concepts come from um, because they're unknowns that, you know, the library doesn't hold that. So where do we find those patterns and be able to predict those? Does AI have a place there? I mean, what's your thoughts there, Sean? Yeah, I think uh, it's a great place to start when we come back from our next break. BlockFrame technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the New Cyber Frontier. We're talking about SOAR and some of the capabilities of automation to chase information, data analytics, artificial intelligence. Um, Tim was just talking about uh, some various concepts uh, related to some additional capabilities. Tim. Yeah, when he's talking about the factors of patterns um, and those types of availabilities, artificial intelligence being able to see the footprint inside of data to detect, bring those to the front, uh, focusing the, the small handful of cyber professionals on what they probably need to be prioritizing themselves with. But what happens when the AI doesn't doesn't understand the pattern? Where where do we get that? The smart uh, factor that comes into this concept of SOAR and the methodology that's being used, the, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I guarantee you that in the algorithms that are being built, it's potentially looking at feasible factors and it should present those um, at least to the individuals that are going to be reviewing uh, this type of thing if it's, if you're actually using data to review and re- report. So, I mean, what's the, what's the idea behind SOAR being able to d- d- dictate and understand things that are not there yet. I mean, I understand the unity of these solutions that we use. So, I mean, what do you, it, what do you think? I think it, it's it's pressing a capability um, for additional capabilities. And I'll look at 
uh, Splunk, for example, when we were at this previous uh, organization, we were one of the first, uh, you know, organizations to implement Splunk. And Splunk was being used to parse information, parse data relevant for us to be able to chase things down. Splunk now is being used for business analytics, non-cyber related capabilities, because it has the features, it has uh, the engine to be able to do that effectively. When we look at SOAR, SOAR was originally looking at automating the process of helping analysts to better define things that they need to investigate for incident response. When we incorporate maybe an intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence engine into that, I think that going back to the example with Splunk, I think the capabilities would be endless. Not only am my analysts looking at feeds coming in, but what about my hunt analysts now? Hunt analysts aren't looking at feeds. They're not looking at the SIM. They're looking at data patterns in intelligence, looking for the adversary and creating tickets. So how does SOAR provide capabilities? Maybe with an artificial engine, do we incorporate IBM Watson, just as an example, or some other artificial intelligence to be able to provide the capabilities? And then how do you massage, back to your point, Tim, if I have a deviation that uh, it's not working as intended, how do I manipulate the environment to get the artificial intelligence to give me what I'm looking for? I think that's a great question. Yeah. So it sounds like, and just kind of my, 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 my thoughts, it sounds like, uh, and, and not being much in this, I would I would welcome that we could get some some experts on from those companies that are looking at these AI patterns. But like in in antivirus, we have registration type where we're looking at you know what are known problems and they're registered on a on a list somewhere on a website. So we have antivirus that does that. Then we have antivirus that looks for behavior. You know, are they trying to access? Are they doing certain things that are overriding? Are they just doing known problems? in recursive actions uh, or looking for access to get the to elevated access and then the third type is looking for patterns like the cyber kill chain they're looking for what are people doing in sequence over time and it sounds like those three types of principles will still hold true in this mm-hmm. just with algorithms looking in those areas what do we know that's already out there you're not going to catch the new things the zero days in that um the patterns you might catch some of those but the people actions and things that people do, the advanced per- persistent threats, are the the cyber kill chain, the things that are happening over cha- over time, where there you know we can follow in maybe even a human type thought process. Yeah, and and other things like um, is there bottlenecking in this concept? Like, is there one point uh, failure? I mean, I don't know. In this method, it sounds like that the uh, availability to expand on having multiple layers to this that would make decisions, not just from um, AI or solutions that have been available. It would ingest everything to provide. And also the human factor in here, um, what about being too reliant on such a factor? I mean, those two things come into concept. You know how humans are. If they say, well, this, this is just how it is. I mean, what goes on, on and on and on about being able to evolve such a solution? So we know we have a trust in it that it's not just feeding things that in other words we're being able to catch the things we don't know at some point i mean is that where this is going 
Um, those are three factors I can think of. If you think through this, if you get too relied on on some certain solutions, it becomes complacent, and that's not for cyber. Yeah, I still need to have analysts with the right skill set, the right trade craft to be able to do this job and think, you know, alternatively than an artificial intelligence agent. So take all of the experience that you have as an analyst over the many years. Uh, you may understand old coding languages like Cobalt and Fortran and recognize something similar in a data stream that you haven't programmed or thought to even program into that artificial intelligence engine. Remember, uh, artificial intelligence can't do that gut feeling, can't do emotions, can't uh, replace some aspects that the human element just brings to the table well. Yeah. So it sounds like a unified effort, right, Chris? Yeah, I, and, and still the, the big concern that, that I saw with, you know, early stages of, of what I guess you're called, which is turned into sore now is, you know, the false positive, false negatives um, by the AI. You know, for, for months it could miss something uh, and have a false negative, and then the analyst never get triggered to look at it. And then, you know, how many false positive and shutdowns are you going to gonna endure before you turn the thing off? Yeah. And the cost, what about the cost of this? I mean, is it going to absorb, you have multiple solutions. Is it going to be able to, is there a manageable um, type of methodology that would fit into small business? I mean, where are we outsourcing? What are we doing for cost? Yeah, doing? this is definitely not anything a small business is going to be looking at. Yeah. They're, okay. you know, they're subscribing to a service, right? Yeah, they would be. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is a new concept. Um, and the, the word just recently came out. I don't think I've heard of it before last year. I don't remember. I know that Sean, you said it's been out for a few years, but I don't think I remember actually hearing this word um, just in the last two years. I don't remember before that, that ever this ever came up as a concept, but maybe it's been there much longer. It just hasn't come, you know, that far forward for it to be heard enough to become the buzzword, right? Yeah, it's been needed for a while. Yeah, it's been needed for a while in our industry, especially on the CERT side, for all of the, the information, those alerts that come in. So probably yeah. had a little heads up on it. So yeah, is it another another buzzword, um, another effort that we're going to follow for two years, and then it'll be superseded by the next buzzword? Like You know how they come and go. Some of them stick around forever, and some of them... I, I don't even know what, what they were. We forgot them. <laughs> so, I mean, botnet, how long has that been around? Backup? The word backup, is that still a buzzword? Let's throw That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the things you think of when the new concepts come out, right? The tools are great. The solutions, robust. Um, it's just... Um, cyber professionals are just looking at this thing like it should tell us what to do. I don't think that's the way it should work. I mean, human factors go into play here, um, and we certainly need to keep up on our own profession to be equally as good, if not better, if we can. Um, so, I mean, that's where your, you know, your certifications, your ongoing CPEs, those types of things come into play because you got to keep up with standards that are moving. And we know data is evolving. 
and the abilities to act on that data um, and the, the type of resources and IT infrastructure that keeps evolving in our world, it's just making it more and more, uh, you know, dependent. I mean, as we go along, right? So this type of tool and this type of methodology um, will evolve, will evolve properly. I guess those are big questions, right, for this. Well, I, I that they're definitely needed. Um, we just have too much data, too much automation, and humans only have so much capacity. They get tired, they get fatigued, and they can only look at stuff for so long. So, but th back to the point, human needs to be able to control the process. Yeah, I think there's a limit. There's a limit. The human still needs to be involved in all counts. I just know there's limitations to how much a human can ingest and understand about the data that's coming at them too. So, Chris, what's your thoughts on that? You know, about about every year, sometimes every other year, there's a there's an entirely new framework that everybody's going to follow, that everything is going to change to, that that is just going to change the industry. And uh, you know, we get the the RMFs, we get the CMMC, we get the the NIST one eighty one. You know, what are we chasing this year? Is this this the new thing to chase? And let's forget about CMMC because it didn't get any legs. Where that's that's what comes to my mind when I hear a whole new framework. Yeah, yeah. and it's sore, like a little sarcastic punch, you know. Yeah, the sore idea, automation, right? That's kind of what what this thing kind of reflects on is taking an awful lot of data and being able to help produce something that is necessary and needed. Actually, projects an idea. Um, so AI, artificial intelligence. I mean, we talked about that on the show a few shows back about. And this is what this this idea projects is this artificial intelligence concept, and just where do we start? Where does that limit happen, Sean? Where where do we go with just how reliable is such a thing? And you know where where does it stop? So Skynet. <laughs> that's exactly right. Everybody goes back to the same thing, right? So we'll know when we get there, and it becomes self conscious and takes over. Then we'll know. Then sore is, is the end of us, right? <laughs> uh, then my name will be Neo. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Yeah, it evolves into the futuristic aspects that we're all fearing, right? The Skynet idea. Well, I don't know about you, but um, it, it's it looks like it sounds like a great methodology. I hope it evolves and sticks around. Um, so, I mean, what other concepts does this also bring on? I mean, what other ideas about soar? I know the unison, like uh, uh, cyber mesh, the idea of cyber mesh, which is the unison of multiple solutions working hand in hand to produce uh, the, you know, the correct measures, right? project the correct reports, bring their information to life for the analysts that are involved in having to figure out what the vulnerabilities are and stay ahead of the power curve, basically. I mean, what, what kind of other solutions, other things kind of bring to mind, John? Well, I, I bring it back to the example with Splunk, right? What are what else can we use it for other than, you know, initially we looked at it for all of the events that are being ingested through our appliances and all the data that's being created. I look at it from a perspective of what else can we use that information for? We can establish standards for forensics, digital forensics investigation. Uh, work with an organization like the Scientific Working Group for Digital Evidence, SWEGI, that will 
take a look at how that might be applied towards the area, the field of forensics investigation, automating those processes to look at things that they already know, they've already established so that they can focus on the new complexities of digital forensics that might need more time. It's, it's new stuff. We've got new platforms, new protocols, different things that we're doing. And let's focus on those as opposed to the things that we already know. Let the automation collect and report on those things that we already know so we can focus on what we don't. Yeah, I think you're right. Chris, the, the idea behind this concept is picking up things that we already know. Let us deal with the things that we may not know. So, I mean, maybe this, this particular methodology is best placed with that type of concept, with that type of idea. I mean, do you think we should be going, you think this thing can pick up and, and tell us the unknown? Something like that? You know, I would say it's it's a big money thing. I think one of you mentioned that earlier. The big companies can chase this next buzz. You know, me being a startup and, and a shoestring budget and everything, it's something I wouldn't even consider for years down the road. So it's it's almost like a scoping thing in in the mind of what can we go after. You know, we're not at the maturity to be optimizing. So we're, you know, kind of at that at base things. And this, this is one of the structures that would be, uh, you know, very mature to me. Yeah. You know, there was some some part of this that talks about uh, built-in workflows and streamline operations. So where do we get these workflows? I mean, how do we create these workflows from this concept, John? What do you think? So the workflows have to be decided on what you think the value is of the data or the information that's coming through. Going back to some of the examples I provided from if I put my manager of a SOC and trying to help my analysts and my analyst leads uh, provide better capability to really chase down those events that turn into incidents that I want them to chase. Think of the sysadmins or the network administrators. So if I just stick with network administrators, how much data is flowing over my network? What's encrypted, yeah. what's not encrypted? We still keep incorporating new types of technology like data loss prevention systems. How do I incorporate data loss prevention systems uh, to provide additional analytical information that can help me determine an insider threat as opposed to just telling me that I had data that was prevented from going out because it didn't meet the rules. I really want to find that insider threat. What are they doing? What are the thresholds? What are the things that we can do to incorporate those types of methodologies on other technologies to help sysadmins, business analytics, um, key performance indicators, that metric that I need to support a, a goal or objective that aligns with organizational strategy. Those are the things that I'd be looking yeah, and um, you know when you do produce those metrics, if this becomes so automated, and Chris, do you think that this would, uh, you know, the operations means that we no longer need this cyber guy? I mean, I'm sure we'll never go to that. Let's put it that way. Those are always going to be used for us. I can guarantee you that. However, I mean, from the business side of this, um, you think you think you'll ever see that particular type of thing come about? as far as, hey, we've got this product that's just going to tell us what's going on anyway. So I don't have to... Yeah, the magic pill, right? Yeah. 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 Scott, do you think, what do you think? 
I think it's a topic for a future conversation, right? So we've actually chewed up uh, all the time that we've got for this topic. I think back to Chris's point, we've got some experts that are out there that are using this technology. Uh, we'd ask for you know the audience, uh, you, you guys listen to our show, you listen to our program, the things that we talk about. Maybe you know somebody, maybe you're that person that can provide some additional insight to provide more value to the rest of our listeners. We'd ask you to reach out to us, um, contribute, or if you've got somebody else that you think can contribute to our program, you know what we talk about. Um, it's compelling. Uh, we want to make sure that it's valuable to our listeners. So we're going to pass it back to you and say thanks again for listening to another episode of the New Cyber Frontier. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.